taking our Bible with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. Today's passage is from verse 1 to verse 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 10. Before I read the Word of God, I want to remind you two things. The first is I want you to pay attention to the previous section, chapter 6. From chapter 6, the chapter 6 is the Sermon on the Mountain recorded by Luke in his Gospel. Very familiar if you read Matthew's Gospel 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mountain. The theme of the Sermon on the Mountain is kingdom. If you read chapter 7 verse 1, Luke emphasized after he had finished all his saying. This section relates to the previous section. Chapter 7 is very close to chapter 6, and very close to the theme of kingdom. Actually, in this section, Paul tell us, Luke tells us Jesus manifested the authority of kingdom to his people. Another thing I want to know is this is a very clear two Adam structure theology in this passage. Because in the first Adam, we, like the servant, at the point of death, we were dead, but in Christ, we have life, we have the eternal life. Please pay your attention to the Word of God, which is holy, inspired, and authoritative, because this is the Word of God. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 through verse 10. After he had finished all his saying in the hearing of the people, he entered the Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asked him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them when when he was not far from the house, the centurion said friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too and my man sit under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed, followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. 
Let's pray again. Father, we give you thanks for the evening worship. We give you thanks for the first of the seven. We gather together to worship you. And you give us your word. And you give church the gift to pray, proclaim your word. We praise you for everything, especially the goodness in Jesus Christ. We have life. This is unworthy to us because we are unworthy people. We praise you. We praise you for everything. We pray your word will be proclaimed. We pray we hear your son's gospel again so that we are encouraged. We have life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm a seminary student. I think you have noticed. I remember when I applied RPTS, RP Seminary, I was asked to give a recommendation letter. Actually, I never see the contents of the recommendation letter. But I know the function of most recommendation letters is to acknowledge you, to appreciate you, to believe you that you, your characteristics deserve studying seminary. This is the function of the recommendation letter. Let me ask you a question. If now you need a recommendation letter for your salvation, what point do you or your friend or your pastor consider for the recommendation letter? Think about it. Are there any characteristics that make you deserve, make you worthy for the salvation? Think about it. Maybe you have been a Christian for many, many years. Maybe you have read the Bible again and again. Maybe you, it's not maybe, you have pure worship, regulative principle worship. You think, stop. I know the answer if I ask you, do you deserve your salvation? I know the answer. But sometimes we know, we feel that we are worthy for our salvation. Sometimes we boast our deeds, our experiences, our titles. We think of, we think of these things make us worthy for our salvation. Sometimes we can. Brothers and sisters, do not be deceived. When we consider our salvation, nothing can be boastful. Nothing in our recommendation letter for salvation except the grace of God. Because we are unworthy, because we contribute nothing for our salvation except our sin. This is the gospel. Today's passage, there was a centurion. He was rich. He was authority. He had a servant. This servant was very, very sick, very serious sick. As a physician, Luke tells us this servant was in the point of death. And he tells us even the centurion very loved, high valued. The, the, the servant was high valued by the centurion. And the elders of Jews together helped the centurion to ask Jesus to heal the servant. Because among the elders, Jewish elders, the centurion enjoying good reputation, good, 
it's um and that they think they think the centurion did a great great work good work for them because they think the centurion is worthy but at the end of story the servant was healed not because his reputation not because his good work not because anything but he put his faith to jesus he returned to jesus this is the story also what is more important i want to know this is a salvation this is a microcosm of salvation the grace the grace and authority of kingdom extend extend to unworthy people in which we were at the point of death but now we have life we have eternal life we have the grace of kingdom in jesus christ about this story i hope you understand the two things the first is put your faith in christ jesus because you are needy and unworthy put your faith in christ jesus because you are needy and unworthy another thing i want you to know is put your faith in jesus because he is able and willing to save you put your faith in jesus because he is able and willing to save you the first point we see is put your faith in jesus because you are needy and unworthy in this story two figures catch our attention the first is the centurion another figure is the servant the centurion and his servant maybe you might ask what's the unit of that story a centurion he is rich he had a servant yes in fact the healthy condition of the servant contributes to his story because he was ill he was very very ill he was at the point of death Luke tell us in verse 2 the servant was highly valued the centurion the master loved his servant although he loved his servant he can do nothing for heal for help this servant his master loved him but his master can do nothing to help him verse 3 when the centurion heard about jesus he sent to him elders of jews this is what he did i believe before the centurion heard jesus before jesus came to covenant he did something for his servants using his authority using his wealthy but now his work seems insufficient the situation given by luke that we see in the first is the centurion loved his servants but he can do nothing for his servants although the centurion loved his servant he wants to help him but his work is insufficient therefore in the, in the beginning of this story luke presents to us a desperate situation death sick and helpless this is the beginning of this story neither people in trouble nor people out of trouble can do anything 
what is more serious is that no one can change this desperate situation. Even there is a centurion who has reputation, who is rich. Francis, isn't that what the scripture presents to us? We were in a desperate situation. Romans chapter 3 tells us, For we have already charged that both Jews and the Greeks are under sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is a very, very desperate situation. We were in this situation. Let me clarify further. Do you realize how desperate situation around you? This situation is so desperate that God only, the result only is God sent his son to resolve this situation. This is a desperate situation. Do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. What I need, sinners need is not self-control, is not moral teaching, is not self-change. A sinner's need is God's mercy. The mercy is God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save him. Let me go back to the story again. If the centurion, by his authority, by his wealth, he can help this servant, he would have done it already. However, the situation is desperate. The fact is, the fact is, he cannot do anything. By God's grace, he saw this situation. He realized this desperate situation, which means the hope begins with his turning to Jesus. Now he had Jesus come. He turned to Jesus. This is the beginning of this hope. The hope of life starts at a point that he knows Jesus was the only one who can help his servants. Brothers and sisters, every single thing drives us to death. We cannot change anything. No one can live forever. The death is our ending. But Jesus, in him we have life. No one can change the situation. Trust, trust the Bible. The sin, the death, the death is abnormal. Because sin, we were in the point of death. Therefore, the centurion, he turned to the Jesus, asking the true man of authority. He has authority. He has authority to give the servant life. You should understand this situation. This situation is desperate. You are needy and you cannot change anything. Therefore, we should quickly turn to Jesus because he is the only way, only life, and only truth. Acts chapter 4, 12 tells us, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. A sinner, what a sinner needs is not anything but Christ Jesus. We know the story, how the story ends. The servant was healed by Jesus, but before this happy ending, Luke told us more Plus, 
Perhaps you might think this passage, verse 1 through 10, is a miracle. Yes, this is a miracle. And you are right. But I want to remind you that only one verse serves, only one verse has a dramatic sense, which is verse 10. Verse 10 tells us when those who had been said, returned to the house, they found the servant well. This is the only verse has dramatic sense. We don't know, we don't even know how Jesus finished his healing. A very short sentence indeed. However, if we compare this only one dramatic sense verses, verse 10, if we compare it to verse 4 through 9, we see many conversations many dialogues in this story. Therefore, instead of focusing on the miracle, we should focus in, we should focus on the conversation, the dialogue. The dialogues include two people speaking. The first is the elder the first is from the elder of Jews. Verse four, if you see verse four, and when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying he is worthy to have you do this for him. Verse 5, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built, our, built us our synagogue. In the New Testament age, the centurion was a principal officer in Roman army. He has authority, and he is responsible for command almost 100 people. The centurion is a role of intermediary between the local population and the Jewish people. It is command for the centurion to build a synagogue among the local Jewish people, between uh, the local Jewish people, in order to gain, in order to receive their favor. Actually, I think the centurion did it successfully. Have you seen verse 4? The elder said, He is worthy. Because they believe his words, what he did, get favor from the Jewish people. I want to remind you this is an evaluation from Jewish people to a Gentile. This is unbelievable, right? The Jewish people evaluate. The Gentile, he is worthy. Let me give you more information. I believe the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, they know who Jesus is. If you turn to your Bible to chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 30, 30 through 37, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 30 through 37. There's a, another story happened in the same city, Capernaum, happened in the same place, synagogue. Jesus rebuked a demon in this story. But before Jesus rebuked the demon, verse 34, the demon said, What have you to do with us, Jesus the Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In the other words, Jesus had manifested the authoritative work among, in, among the Jewish leaders in Capernaum in the, in the synagogue. Of course, these leaders, these elders, they were in the synagogue. Therefore, the leaders had to know and experience the authority of kingdom, authority of Jesus, his person and his work. That is to say, when the elders of Jews said, he is worthy, what they mean is Jesus, the Holy One of God, the centurion is worthy, you did something for him. They know who Jesus is. They experience his person and his work. Hey, he is worthy. Do something for him. The second dialogue, the second dialogue we will see, which is from the centurion, verse 6. Chapter 7, verse 6. The centurion said, Do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. This is the word from the centurion. Ironically, the elder of Jews think he is worthy, but the same person himself gives us a different word, different evaluation. He is not worthy. I want to remind you there is a compression, uh, compression between the Jews and the, the centurion. The Jews put his faith to the work because he said, therefore he said, he is worthy. But the centurion, by God's grace, he put his faith not even this word, this, uh, what he did is good, is correct, is right, but he not put his faith on this word. He put his faith on Jesus. Therefore he said, oh Lord, do not trouble you. I am unworthy. Because he knew himself by nature. He is unworthy. The only thing he can do is to put his faith to Jesus, put his faith in Jesus. Brothers and the purpose of Jesus' coming was to do great things for his people. Are we deserve these things? Sometimes we always take Jesus' his work for granted. Sometimes, as I mentioned, sometimes to time we think ourselves, we think we are worthy for his work. If you back to chapter 4, Luke's Gospel, very famous uh, passage from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to um, captives and the recover of sight to the blind, 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 to set a liberty those who are oppressed. We were poor. We were competent. Competent. We were oppressed. This is the situation we were. Isaiah 14, 16, 4, verse 4 tell us, 
we all we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. This is the situation we were. As I mentioned, the hope of life begins with the centurion turning to Christ, turning to the true man of authority. The question is, what's the meaning of turning to Jesus? The answer is, put your faith in Jesus. You committed, you were poor. You committed, you were captive. Without Jesus, you are in love. You are in this desperate situation. You are unworthy. This is the gospel. In Jesus, he's coming. The servant had hope for life, hope for living the point of death. In Jesus' coming, this is the good news. If you realize that this, the grace, the, the gospel is good news, is a grace, you will be grateful because grace is beyond your value. At the end of the story, the servant was healed. Let me draw attention to another question. The question is, the centurion is unworthy. Why and how was the servant healed? He is unworthy. How was the centurion, how was the servant healed? Let me turn to the second point, put your faith in Jesus because he is able and willing to save. We know the centurion had authority and he was rich. He was wealthy. We know he loved his servant. He was willing to help him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone to ask Jesus. But neither his reputation and the good works, nor his authority and the worth he can help this servant because his servant was in such a need, need, which is a need of life, which means the servant need a great authority, need a great love, need a heart to, need a willing heart to save, to help him. Now Jesus is coming. He is willing to give the great love by the great authority. In Luke's gospel, this is the second time Jesus come to Capernaum. For the first time, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. Please turn your Bible again to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 13, 6. Chapter 4, verse 13, 6. And the day were all amazed and say to one another, What is this word? For with authority, for with authority and the power, he commands the unclean spirit, and they come out. This is not. I want to remind you. This is not a simple, a simple story about casting the unclean spirit. If you read chapter four, fourteen, three, chapter four, fourteen, three, Jesus said, but he said to them. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other tongues as well. For I was sent for this purpose. 
told you this is not a simple story of casting unclean spirits. Casting unclean spirits is to show the authority of kingdom. The kingdom is powerful. The kingdom has overcome the evil. Now Jesus came to covenant again by his authority, by the authority of kingdom. This is the reality of kingdom. Jesus showed the reality of kingdom, which is a life-giving greenness. He gave the, the servant life. He did not even go to the man. He just said the word at a distance. The servant was healed. This is authority of the kingdom. By this authority, you and me, we live thousands of miles away. We live in 2,000 years later. By this same authority, we are brought into this kingdom. Colossians chapter 1, 13 through 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The earthly authority cannot give you life, but the authority from kingdom gave us life. Brothers and sisters, maybe now in your heart some sorrowful things bother you. Maybe in your heart it's difficult. But I want to remind you, at least this authority gave us life. At least we are delivered from the point of death. We have hope, we have life in Jesus Christ. Because authority of kingdom, because authority that Jesus had in him, we have life. Because we are one, we, because we all liked servants of the the servant of centurion we were dying we were separated from christ having no hope and without god in the world but the kingdom is coming with christ he's coming actually if you read two verses from luke's gospel you will see the picture clearly i invite you to read the two passages from luke's gospel the first is uh, 19 verse 10 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus initially came to covenant. Jesus initially came to our life. We didn't seek Jesus. Jesus seek us initially. Uh, Luke tells us the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Another, another passage you, I, I, I hope you read is chapter 9, 15, 1. Chapter 9, 15, 1. Chapter 9, 15, 1. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, 15, 1. When the day draw near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. From this passage, Luke recorded a different story from other Gospels. From this passage, from this point, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. We know what he will did. We know what he will do in Jerusalem. The crucifixion, the cross, 
in this passage, Jesus has a desire, strong desire to obey his father because he is willing to save the lost. He seeks the lost. He saves the lost. He is willing to save the sinners. In this story, neither the centurion's his reputation nor his good work, but Jesus is willing to save the sinners. By the grace of God, the centurion put his faith. I want to say, not put, not just put his put his faith. He put his faith in Jesus, because sometimes we put this faith to our reputation, to our works, to other things. We should put our faith in Jesus, because only He is willing to save us. Only He has this authority to give us life. Faith cannot save you, but faith in Jesus can save us. This is the story. What the story teach us? Faith in Jesus can save us. In the last, I want to remind you the verse one, chapter seven, the verse one. After he had finished all his saying in the hearing of the people, I mentioned Luke emphasized this practice. This section relate to the previous section. What did Jesus say? Because Luke tell us after he had finished all his saying, what did Jesus say? In the previous chapter, he taught the sermon on the mountain. In the last part of The Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus gave a lesson that faith in Himself should not be shakable, because Jesus is the only one who has authority and able to save His people. Back to the beginning, I ask you a question: If you need a recommendation letter for your salvation, what do you think about it? We don't have, or we don't need any recommendation for our salvation. We need Jesus Christ in His positive and、uh, um, in His positive obedience. We have salvation. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this story. Sometimes we put our faith. In our works or other things, forgive us and turn us to Jesus Christ. He is the only one we can put our faith. And we give you thanks for the salvation because it's completed, because it is finished, because it's perfect. In Jesus, His obedience, we have life. We have eternal life. And we pray the Holy Spirit in this week always teach us, illuminate our hearts to know we were unworthy people, but by your grace we have life in Jesus Christ. This is such a good news. I believe this good news will encourage us, will help us in many difficult situations. We pray in Jesus' name.